Hey, hey, this episode is my speech at the Health Optimization Summit in London, and it's going to be talking about how do you balance the anabolic and catabolic sides of life, and primarily with the help of fasting, as well as training. So definitely listen to it, it's pretty good. And you should also check out the show notes for this episode at seamnon.com forward slash 149. And uh, there you can find the links to my book, Metabolic Autophagy, the audiobook that you can only get from my website, and you don't get it from Audible, just from my website, and also link to the Metabolic Autophagy cookbook that actually gives you like a meal plan type of thing where you can know what kind of foods uh, promote these anabolic and catabolic sides of life and uh, when to consume them. So yeah, check it out, seamland.com forward slash 149. Do you want to know what it is? Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Thanks for inviting me and uh, super glad to be here in the first health optimization in London. So uh, I'm hopeful it's going to be like many other you know, future events at the same place and potentially in the rest of Europe as well. <laughs> so, uh, well, the title of my speech is uh, Balancing the Anabolic and Catabolic Cycles of Life and uh, it's going to involve a lot about fasting, ketosis, autophagy, and uh, those sorts of very trendy terms that you hear nowadays. And uh, yeah, I'm from, actually from Estonia, so I'm a kind of professional biohacker almost, doing it as a, as a living. And as I, th- I think that every good book should have like this sort of a starting title, and I think every good presentation should also have like a good starting quote as an inspiration. So I'm going to open up the speech with a quote from Elon Musk who said, I think you should bear in mind that entropy is not on your side. So entropy is from physics and it describes this tendency of living organisms and complex systems to gradually move towards chaos, deterioration and uh, destruction basically. Like uh, that's how the world works and that's how life and death work as well. So uh, you as a living organism are always on the verge of entropy and uh, you're, you're, I hate to break it to you, but we're all dying and uh, we're slowly aging, but it doesn't mean that it has to kind of degrade the quality of our life. And hopefully the, my speech is going to give us some good points or some good tips to alleviate this process of entropy and at least like uh, mitigate it to a certain extent. So inside your body this entropy reflects quite nicely you know uh, your life is divided into two parts basically two categories one of them is where life sprouts into existence which can be called you know growth growing building and uh, the metabolic or uh, metabolic term for that is uh, anabolism or the growth stage and this is where DNA synthesis occurs this is where you grow as a child and this is where you build muscle etc etc and the other side is where entropy takes place it's called catabolism or breaking down and this is basically the aging process and deterioration so these things are constantly happening on a daily basis uh, and these things are balancing each other based on the status of what you're doing what you're eating and so on in, uh, you know, this entropy reflects in the way your body deteriorates every day. So there's a t- tendency of, um, 
you to lose gradually your muscle mass as you get older and it actually becomes more difficult for you to build muscle as you get older as well. You know, the growth stage when you're young reaches its maximal peak in the early parts of the life and uh, in the later stages it begins to slowly take over towards uh, you know, entropy and uh, degrading. So it's inevitable to a certain extent, but what you can do is to mitigate it and uh, make sure that you don't suffer from this. And yeah, as, a, as we age, we tend to lose a lot of our functional parts or functional uh, uh, physical qualities such as muscle mass, strength, bone density, even uh, cognition and etc. Those are all signs of aging and uh, getting older. You would think that in order to prevent that, you would want to be in this growth stage all the time and mitigate the catabolic, catabolic aspect of living and be always anabolic and growing and building muscle. But there's actually a lot of research to show that this entropy or this catabolic process of degradation has many longevity boosting benefits. So for example, one of the few known ways of promoting lifespan in vir virtually all species is calorie restriction. And um, eating less calories just essentially helps you to well, at least in most species, it shows to prolong the lifespan of that species. And there are many different pathways and processes that uh, promote it, such as like sirtuins, you might have heard of them, they're really popular or new, these uh, longevity proteins that are said to promote uh, lifespan and longevity. And there's also like these things like mitochondria, which are essentially the power, plant, power plants of your cells that produce energy. And as you get older, your mitochondria tend to get weaker and uh, they're not producing that much energy. So in return, you begin to suffer from you know, lack of energy, etc. So these things are very much connected to uh, calorie restriction, where calorie restriction helps these processes to sustain themselves. For, exa for example, uh, not eating anything <coughs> promotes sirtuins and it also maintains mitochondrial functioning. So you're slowing down the, the aging process because you're being more catabolic as opposed to just growing all the time. And um, the, most of the benefits of calorie restriction are actually linked with this thing called autophagy. And uh, autophagy is uh, actually one of the central components to the life extension that you see from calorie restriction. So for example, when you're putting um, laboratory mice under calorie restriction but you genetically modify them in a way that they don't express autophagy, then they're not going to live longer even though they're eating fewer calories. So the critical component is the autophagy process. And if, you, if the mice that are put under calorie restriction, they do have autophagy activated, then they will live longer. So I think that the goal as biohackers shouldn't be to starve ourselves and eat as little calories as possible. The goal is to find out what are these different pathways that give us the effect that, we're, that we desire. And one of those things is autophagy. So I'm going to be talking a lot about uh, how can you gain the benefits of autophagy and calorie restriction without necessarily having to starve and, uh, and suffer in so doing. So what is autophagy? Well, autophagy translates from uh, Greek into self-eating or eating of self. And it's this process where your uh, cells are recycling themselves and uh, it's almost like taking out the trash, eliminating all the waste material and eliminating all the junk that accumulates there as a result of living and as a result of aging. 
And yet, autophagy as a metabolic process, it evolved to promote survival in these very harsh conditions, like as a hunter-gatherer, as a, you know, initial organism, you were very much in this unpredictable environment where you were very often starving, you were very often fasting, you were very often in these very harsh conditions. So in order to survive, your body had to be very efficient at using its own backup stores and as well into doing, making sure that you do live longer and uh, get through those difficult times. So what are the benefits of autology, for example? It's, it's somewhat of a, not, a not, you know, it, it received the Nobel Prize in uh, 2013, but at the same time it's been around for a few decades and people have been using different terms to describe it. So autophagy has quite, a, quite amazing health benefits such as it's going to reduce inflammation, it, it's been linked to healing many diseases, many different conditions, it essentially recycles the junk that accumulates there as you get older, eliminates pathogens, boost the immune system and a lot of anti-aging benefits. So there are some studies showing that it also um, fights cancers and tumors, but that's not like really conclusive. There are some conflicting information about that as well, so it's not black and white. But at the same time, in most cases, it's a very, it's a very potent preventative tool against aging and prevent, preventing against essentially uh, the accumulation of uh, these dysfunctional cells inside your body. So how do you activate autophagy? Well, the first and easiest way to do is to do these prolonged fasting periods where you're not eating anything and uh, this is a really strong and potent stimulus for autophagy because, yeah, you're depriving yourself from the nutrients that your body needs and it sends a signal to your body that, okay, we have to actually be more diligent with uh, the backup stores that we do have and take advantage of what we already have. There's also like exercise, uh, calorie restriction is essentially also a, like a, it mimics fasting to a certain extent and also lower insulin and other, other nutrient factors that uh, are helping autophagy to function. So instance, if you're eating too many carbohydrates, if you're eating too many calories, too much protein, etc., then that's going to suppress the autophagy process because you're giving your body, the, you're giving your body an abundance of energy and the body doesn't need to go into the autophagy state. And lastly, there are actually some autophagic foods as well that have been shown to stimulate this same process. So you can still eat <laughs> to a certain extent without, uh, without having to fast for too long. And for example, yeah, coffee is a really potent stimulus for autophagy, especially in diff different tissues of the body as well, like the brain and the liver, and uh, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, then there's herbal teas, medicinal mushrooms like chaga, reishi, lion's mane, cordyceps, those are really amazing ones and they have many adaptogenic and uh, medicinal benefits. Uh, cayenne pepper is a spice and it's really strong for that. Then even like elderberries and blueberries, they also have even like sirtuins and resveratrol or they, they promote sirtuins through resveratrol and they help with autophagy as well to a certain extent. And uh, for instance, some, something like really powerful that promotes autophagy is like turmeric and berberine because uh, they're going to suppress your insulin, they're going to suppress your blood sugar, and uh, that helps you to go into the autophagy state faster. A little bit about insulin. So next to calorie restriction, then the insulin IGF-1 signaling pathway is also very much linked to lifespan in many species. So what is it? It's essentially 
a pathway that detects the presence of nutrients inside your body and based upon that is going to regulate these different pathways such as autophagy. So insulin is the quote-unquote storage hormone that elevates in, the, in response to the rise in blood sugar. So when you're eating something that raises your blood sugar or something that has an abundance of energy, then uh, your body responds by releasing insulin and insulin helps to shuttle that energy into the right place and lock it into the cells basically. Uh, but at the same time, it does promote growth, it promotes uh, anabolism, but it may affect longevity as well just because of that. So as you might heard, as I mentioned earlier, calorie restriction promotes longevity, while at the same time, too much anabolism and too much growing may not be ideal just because of that, because you're suppressing autophagy. So there has to be like some sort of a balance of finding this balance between having enough autophagy and getting enough of the anabolic stimulus. So the goal for most people is to maintain this semi-balanced state of IGF-1 and insulin where you're not overly expressing it because that's a recipe for diabetes, you know, insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome which most people in modern society actually suffer from. It's, another, it's, a, it's a cause like this, caused by an excess of energy and overabundance of just having too much of uh, calories, too much eating, etc. So how do you manage insulin IGF-1? It's again similar to autophagy, reducing your carb intake or at least controlling it based on your activities, then intermittent fasting, physical exercise, and even just like walking after meals. That's been also shown to just lower your blood sugar and lower the insulin. So it's a great, great way to just uh, make sure that you're not having your blood sugar elevated for too long. So when we look at the traditional three meals a day, then it's not really looking good. So when, when I just mentioned that insulin suppresses autophagy, so when you are eating breakfast, for instance, and you're having a bowl of cereal, then you're really raising your insulin, and that's going to stop autophagy basically immediately because it's, 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 it's shifting into anabolic state, and it, it prevents your body from experiencing the fasted state and uh, you eat the breakfast, you maybe wait until lunch, you have another meal, another meal at dinner time. So when you look at it, then there's not really much opportunity for you to gain autophagy because you're in this chronically fed state with elevated insulin. And uh, the only period you do fast is at night time. But there's also some studies showing that people essentially eat over the course of 15 hours a day and they only not eat during the night time which is quite paradoxical from the perspective of our uh, past history. Like in the past, humans didn't have three square meals a day. They were constantly actually going through these periods of longer, longer fasting and uh, having few, fewer meals. So when you think about it, then it's a, quite a powerful, powerful strategy for you to make sure that you do get enough autophagy during daytime and eating too frequent, frequently isn't actually that beneficial. And yeah, like a really efficient and easy way to uh, avoid this booby trap is to just skip one meal. And I think I would imagine it's, it's, it's pretty convenient for most people and it's not difficult at all once you get used to it. So this is a very popular intermittent fasting schedule where you're fasting for about 16 hours and you're eating only within eight hours. So you basically skip one meal and you have two meals instead of three. And just because of that confinement, you're actually gaining a significant uh, effect in terms of autophagy. 
So you can actually have the same amount of calories, the same food, but if you were to eat it over the span of 8 hours instead of like 12 hours, then you would get more autophagy and you would get more health benefits from the 8 hour eating window just because you're spending more time in the fasted state, if that makes sense. You're skipping one meal, you can have the same amount of food, you don't even have to restrict your calories, but just the mere fact that you're fasting for longer gets, gives you the autophagy just because you're maintaining this very low incident state for longer. So this is like, like a quote-unquote real biohack because you don't even have to deprive yourself from calories and you will still get at least some uh, increased basal autophagy. And uh, I would imagine like that's a really something, it's almost like what I'm trying to yeah, teach most of society is that you don't really need to be eating you know, from sunrise to sundawn. You, you can easily skip a few meals and it actually has many health benefits. And you can of course take it a bit further, eat only once a day if that suits you. Like if you were to compare two meals a day versus one meal a day, then there isn't like a huge difference in terms of like autophagy or the other health benefits, but just one meal a day may be more convenient for some people and it may work. So you, 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 what, what kind of a fasting window suits you depends a lot on your physical conditions, your metabolic status, your lifestyle, and how do you like to eat. So yeah, I'm not really trying to say that which one is better or not. It varies a lot between people. Uh, but autophagy, you know, although it's very beneficial and has longevity benefits, it's not always that it's not the, always the best thing, and you don't really want to be in autophagy all the time because, like I said. Autophagy is a catabolic process, and if you're being catabolic all the time, then you're eventually you're going to start breaking down your own body, and uh, that's, that's not really ideal in the long term. So autophagy tends to have this sweet spot of somewhere in the middle. You don't want too much where you're like becoming a concentration camp victim, and you don't want too little either where you're like eating all the time as the standard American way. So you, the golden balance is somewhere in the middle. And I think that can be really easily achieved with uh, the, one of the previous uh, fasting schedules that I just showed you. So you spend some time in a fasting state during the day, but at the same time you're still feeding yourself and you're getting enough of the nutrients. Okay, this is a bit of a complicated uh, slide, but uh, this describes the energy balance that regulates these processes inside your body. So it's called the pro protein kinase triad. So your body has these different fuel sensors that detect the presence of nutrients inside your body and based upon that status it's going to decide are we going to go into autophagy or are we going to grow and be anabolic. So for example, on, on here on the left you have this thing called mTOR or mechanistic target of rapamycin. mTOR is the body's main anabolic switch that promotes growth. So if mTOR is elevated, you're growing. And uh, on the opposite, if mTOR gets suppressed then, and you're starving or fasting, then this other fuel sensor called AMPK gets activated, AMP-activated protein kinase. So mTOR and AMPK are like uh, binary oppositions of each other. They're uh, the yin and yang. They can't coexist. You can't grow and be autophagic at the same time. You have to be balanced. The body has to balance these things based upon what's, what kind of energy is flowing inside the body. And AMPK promotes the activation of autophagy. So if you want to activate autophagy, then mTOR has to be low. You need to be deficient in energy 
and you need to activate AMPK by triggering this stress response that makes the body want to adapt and, and uh, go into autophagy. So mTOR, it has received quite a bit of like, uh, controversial research as well that mTOR makes you age faster, mTOR gives you cancer just because it's growing and like eating protein and eating meat gives you cancer, etc. There is some research to show that, but at the same time, it comes from the context of the standard three square meals a day, you know, people eating all the time, they're never fasting, they're never clearing out the cells. That's where the, the kind of bad research comes from. And if you were to apply this same analogy or same way of thinking to a form of fasting, then you wouldn't see the same results because you're fasting and you're getting your body the break or you're giving your body this restful period of healing and fasting. So mTOR actually has many useful benefits. You don't want to suppress mTOR either. You don't want to have too much autophagy. You don't want to have too much mTOR. You want to have just enough of the mTOR to promote like muscle growth. Because one of the earlier slides has showed that as you get older, your muscle mass begins to deteriorate. And you need to actually have some mTOR to maintain it. So if you're, if you're starting to lose muscle because of fasting too much or not eating enough of the essential nutrients, then it's not going to be useful in the long term. So mTOR, like I said, the growth switch is mainly regulated by insulin and IGF-1, which you can get from carbohydrates and sugars, and uh, amino acids. The main amino acid that regulates mTOR is leucine. So leucine is found in you know, eggs, meats, and even essentially anything that has protein has like some amino acids, and they do affect mTOR. So even if you're eating a very restrictive, low-protein diet, you're still activating mTOR. You can't get away with it. So the, if, if, you, if your goal is to have autophagy, then you're still the best, the best idea is to have this period of extended fasts and skipping a few meals because you can't bypass the activation of mTOR even if you're eating like a quote-unquote starvation diet. And mTOR leads to the activation of muscle protein synthesis which promotes the maintenance of muscle growth and muscle growth in general. So you need some mTOR just to be healthier and longer because muscle mass is an amazing thing for, for aging, healthy aging, and it's almost like a solid pension fund. So muscle mass makes you more insulin sensitive, muscle mass increases your metabolic rate, muscle mass maintains your functional uh, mobility throughout your lifetime, and a lot of the reason why people die is that they start to lose their muscle mass and they're not moving around, they're not physically active. So that's, that's, that's a shame in a sense. So you need some, something that promotes the maintenance of uh, muscle mass. So for example, I showed you the autophagy foods, then mTOR boosting foods are things that have some amino acids as well as some carbohydrates, such as like I mentioned eggs, meats, uh, carbs, protein powder even, it's a pretty strong mTOR stimulator, and dairy products. So there is some research also that shows that you know, protein and amino acids, they shorten your lifespan but again, that comes from the context of uh, eating three square meals a day and combining these, all these processed foods together. That's caused this overstimulation of mTOR. If you're eating a healthy diet, if your biomarkers are on point, you're doing everything else is right, then you don't really have to worry about it. And actually part of the reason why, let's say methionine, methionine restriction is thought to extend lifespan. Methionine is one of the amino acids that comes from protein. Part of the reason it is linked with extended lifespan comes from the connection with IGF-1 and insulin. So if you're, if, you're, if you're concerned about methionine and protein, 
then you should actually be more concerned with insulin and IGF-1 because those things are making the process go anabolic. So you wouldn't go anabolic without insulin and IGF-1. So carbohydrate restriction is actually more potent than protein restriction when it comes to life extension. And again, for that effect to be useful, then uh, you should do some fasting, exercise, not overeat calories, just practice some mild caloric restriction every once in a while. And yeah, making sure that you're not overeating any, any macronutrient like carbohydrates or protein. And when it comes to like ketosis and low carb, then uh, it's not always you know, a good idea to be chronically in ketosis either or chronically high carb. The balance is somewhere in the middle of cycling between those things because if you're in ketosis all the time, you're being catabolic all the time, then you're not really giving your body the chance to grow and build muscle and maintain muscle. So it goes back to finding this sort of a balance between the opposite ends of the spectrum, which is catabolism and anabolism. So you never actually want to be in the middle. You want to be cycling between them so that you would gain both, both of the benefits from either. You, you, get, you get the benefits from autophagy, but you get the benefits from mTOR and muscle growth as well. And to avoid like, any nutrient deficiencies, then you still want to make sure that you get all the essential nutrients. Like Fasting doesn't mean that you're starving. <laughs> fasting just means that you're confining your eating window within a certain time frame. You can still eat a bunch of calories, you can still get all of the nutrients that you need, but you do it in a more confined way and a strategic way. So to prevent any nutrient deficiencies, then you actually want to focus more on the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet, such as like egg yolks, organ meats, fish, you know, broccoli, tubers, meats, nuts, fruits, etc. And you want to avoid, avoid uh, the calorie-dense foods that don't have the nutrients, such as processed foods, uh, bacon, pastry, oils, these breads, etc., et margarine, those sort of things, they're not giving you the uh, nutrients that you need, but they're just increasing your calorie intake. And uh, just overeating is, in general, not a good thing. <laughs> All right, well, that's it from my speech. And uh, yeah, the main message I want to give is that practicing some form of intermittent fasting is actually very beneficial for balancing these sides of the coin. You get the beneficial side from autophagy and catabolism, while at the same time giving your body enough of the stimulus for uh, muscle growth and uh, maintaining lean muscle tissue. So yeah, thank you. All right, that's it for this episode. And as a reminder, check out the links at seamlon.com forward slash 149 for the Metabolic Autophagy paperback book, the audiobook, and the Metabolic Autophagy cookbook. So check it out. And yeah, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered. Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind.